Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We are going to do a series of episodes here that are all pirate sermons. I have been critiquing and critiquing and critiquing things so much, it's just driving me nuts. So I am going to do, it, to do some pirate sermons here on Genesis 14 and 15. These are two very, very thick and rich gospel texts, and I can't wait to do them. They're, I think they're going to be uh, really encouraging and comforting uh, to you. I know these passages are to me. I, I just love these passages because they speak of um, all kinds of things uh, and demonstrate, indeed, what our Savior has done to us, the links he's gone to secure our salvation. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm also looking forward to reading all of these uh, names from Genesis uh, 14, but uh, but hopefully we'll get through it okay. We'll see how it goes. But at any rate, we're going to look at probably four or five of these. So um, hopefully this will be uh, comforting, uplifting to you, and will remind you of the fact that it is finished. When Jesus painted all. Our sins are forgiven, and God loves us totally and unconditionally. I hope you enjoy it. Let me give my thanks out. Cody F. Miller, thank you very much for the use of your artwork um, entitled Balaam, which serves as the artwork for the podcast. Also, thanks to Michael Almquist and Five Iron Frenzy, who have allowed me to use their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World, which you always hear playing in the background here at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you to you guys. Um, also, as always, thanks to my ministry coach, Gene Talley. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, I'd recommend you contact Gene at revtalley at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. My evil plan to save the world, just you wait till it's unfurled, it'll go down in And it came about in the days of Amphrel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Eleazar, Kaidorlamor, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and Birsha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adamah, and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All these came as allies to the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served Kaidorlamor, but the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kaidorlamor and the kings that were with him came and defeated the Rephim in Ashatharoth Karnim, and the Zulum in Ham, and the Imam in Shava, Kiriathim, and the Horites in their Mount Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then it turned back. And then they turned back and came to in Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and conquered all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who lived in Hazazon Tamar. And the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adamah and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, came out and they arrayed for battle against them in the valley of Sedum against Kedolomar king of Elam, Elam, 
and title king of Goim. And Amraphiel, king of Shinar, and Ariot, king of Eleazar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and they fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their food supply, and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions, and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abram, the Hebrew, now he was living by the oaks of Mamre in Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Anir. And these were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his relatives had been taken captive, he let out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions and also the women and people. Then after this, he returned from the defeat of Calamador and the kings who were with him. The king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Chavez, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of the Most High God. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all, that is Abram. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abram Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear you will say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Anar, Eskal, and Mamre. Let them take their share. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, no one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them and he said to him so shall your descendants be then he believed the lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness and he said to him i am the lord who brought you out of ur of the chaldeans to give you this land to possess it he said oh lord god how may i know that i will possess it so he said to him bring me a three-year-old heifer, and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and cut them into two, and laid them each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I 
will also judge the nations whom they served, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then, in the fourth generation, they will return here. For the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite and the Kizanite and the Kadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephraimite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Gerashite and the Jebusite. And may God bless the reading of his word. I must speak with Jama. You will take me to Jama now. You serve your master well. And you will be rewarded. Master Luke's come to rescue me. Master Luke. Master Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. I must be allowed to speak. Jedi must be and go eat. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. Nevertheless, I'm taking Captain Solo and his friends. You can either profit by this or be destroyed. It's your choice, but I warn you not to underestimate my power. Master Luke, you're standing on the. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Not in the name of Jesus with Star Wars. Uh, that I threw that in there because if you, for those of you who know me, of course. I'm a complete flaming Star Wars geek, okay? So anytime I can use Star Wars to illustrate a biblical point, I will. And and in this scene, we see Luke going to rescue his friend, Han Solo, against impossible odds. And this is what we see with Abram 
going to rescue his brother Lot. Despite my bungling through all these bizarre proper names and, and, and placing the and the sheer length of this passage, Genesis 14 and 15 are thick with gospel. And in the midst of this thick gospel, we see gospel within gospel. Not only foreshadowing the one who would come and be called Jesus the Christ, but we see two very clear appearances of him. Now, to begin with, as we wade through these really... Uh, really hard to pronounce names of different kings. And trust me, it took me a few takes on this podcast to get those names exactly right. Um, we, well, when we start out in Genesis 14, we see this rebellion of the south against the north. And it says, I believe in the 14th year, 15th year, whatever year it was, the south rebelled against the north. And, and to understand what it meant for a lesser kingdom to rebel against a greater kingdom... You have to kind of fast forward to Genesis 15, or you have to understand how covenants were made in antiquity. But let's check this out. Genesis 15, 9 through 11, and we're going to go back and talk about this a little bit more. But 15, 9 through 11 says, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite each other, but he did not cut the birds. Right. This is how covenants in antiquity were established. Okay, So what would happen was a lesser king would come to a greater king and say, you know, we need protection. And the greater king would say, fine, if uh, I will give you protection if you pay me tribute. And the, and the text refers to this. And, and in order to establish this covenant, what would happen was the lesser king would bring these sacrifices. And he would split them in half. And then the lesser king would walk between these split pieces. And what that signified was that if the lesser king were to break the covenant, what was going to happen to him was what happened to the split pieces. Okay, so it was a very serious thing. And for the southern kings, those of Sodom and Gomorrah and the others, to rebel against uh, the kings of the north, which were essentially Babylon, that meant that this covenant was broken. And the northern kings were going to come after the southern kings with a vengeance. Okay, and this is exactly what is meant from 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 chapter fourteen. Again, twelve years they had served the north, but in the thirteenth year, there we go, got the correct year. The thirteenth year they rebelled. Okay, they made this covenant. Twelve years, they did what they were supposed to be doing, but in the thirteenth year they decided, okay, we're not going to do this anymore, and they rebelled. And the armies of the north, and again, historians tell us that these are the Babylonians, and they are going to execute the terms of the covenant with a ferocious vengeance. No mercy, no grace. And in the midst of this, it so happens that Lot, Abraham, Abrams, Kimson, Abraham, as we know him, is called Abram still here. Uh, Abraham is caught up in this conflict and he's captured. So, we've got a war going on. We see the the, the south rebelling against the north, breaking this very solemn, um, very deadly covenant to break. And in the midst of this, we see Lot, Abram's kinsman, being captured by the northern kings. And what's interesting here to me is that I see a lot of similarities between Lot and us. 
that Lot, a few chapters earlier, a few verses earlier, in fact, chose the path of sin. And Abram, the path of righteousness. When Lot and Abram split up, Abram said, you go this way, go that. Lot chose to go what commentators believe is signified as the path of sin. And this this is directly related to, to the fall in the garden. That, that when man given the choice to trust God, to, to obey his command to not eat, he chose to trust in something else besides God. Namely, himself. And thus, the path of sin. Very similar to how we are. Not just in life, but in nature. The scripture teaches us that not only are we sinners, but because we sin, but yes, we are sinners because we were born sinners. And this is reflected in Lot as well. Lot in the rebellion is living and consorting with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see that later in Genesis, for their sin and wickedness, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. And yes, again, we too are sinners, right? And understand this. I want to emphasize this point. We are sinners, yes, because we sin. And I'll get that get to that in a minute. But also because we are by, nature's, by nature sinners. With our father Adam, we have inherited the path of Lot. We somehow think that we know better than God. And that's the path we're on. We're rebellious sinners. Also, because we sin. And one one of my favorite pastors, one of my favorite preachers is is Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. And he's fantastic. I would recommend you checking him out anytime. You've seen me throw some of his sound bites up, his quotes, his ability to take the scripture and illustrate the gospel from him is fantastic. But he, he uses this illustration. Ask a person if they sin... And that person might say, yeah, I sin. You know, I mess up sometimes. I make mistakes and I hurt people and that sort of thing. But ask them if they are a sinner, a wicked person, and they might say, well, no, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I'm compared to some people. You know, I'm not that bad. Right? But the reality of it is, and the truth that the gospel teaches us, is that by nature, we are sinners. And in a similar situation... Of Lot. He has chosen the path of sin. And he is captured in that path. And unable, completely helpless to help himself. And so we see Abram coming to the rescue of Lot. Quite impossibly, I might add. I used that Star Wars illustration, right? Or the Star Wars clip, you know, where Luke goes into Jabba's palace. He's this powerful gangster. And here comes this one guy who thinks he's going to, you know, single-handedly rescue his friend. And he does do it. And that's very, uh, much like what Abram does here with his folks. Now, he's got 300 and some odd folks and then adds a few other here and there. But compared to the armies of the north, the Babylonians, that's nothing. So, so Lot being rescued by Abram is a seemingly impossible task. And this is our 
first of many appearances of the gospel and a foreshadowing of Jesus who is to come in this passage. Believe it or not, Abram is a type and shadow in this passage. Okay, not everywhere, but in this passage, Genesis 14, he is a type and shadow of Jesus who is to come. All right. So far, we've seen the law. Right? We've seen that Abram has has chosen a path of rebellion. And therefore he is captured, he is held captive. He is a prisoner to that decision. All right? And his nature. Both things. But now Abram comes to the rescue, and that's gospel. Despite Lot's path of rebellion, despite the danger, despite the sheer resources it's going to take to rescue Lot, Abram does just that for his undeserving brother. So consider this. Lot has totally rebelled against Abram, his brother. And then instead of just saying, you know what, forget Lot. He he chose his own path. You know, He's getting what he deserves. No, Abram won't have any of that. He marshals every single resource and contact he has to, to exact the rescue of a wayward brother against great odds. Remember how the, the Babylonians simply routed the armies in the north? I mean, they, they, they sent them running. In fact, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, in order to escape, the Babylonians had to hide in the tar pits. That's, that's what that verse means. That's, that's what it's referring to. They, they didn't jump in the. They didn't fall into the tar pits. And no, that, that's not uh, what commentators believe happened because they show up later, right? What, what they did is they went and hid themselves in the tar. Maybe they had a little. I don't know. Can you imagine this? I don't know. Can you picture this in your mind. Maybe they got into these tar pits and they had a little like reed sticking out so, so they could breathe, but nobody could see it. I mean, it could have been very well that sort of thing, and that's what happens to 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 two great cities. The Bible says, Sodom and Gomorrah, two great kings of two great cities, they are routed by the Babylonians. What possibly could Abram with his measly force do? Well, Abram sacrifices what is most precious to him to rescue his brother, all of his resources. And at the end of the day, when it's done and Lot is rescued... And, and really, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah really are, are, are a side beneficiary of this. Abram will not accept any of the spoils as payment for his rescue mission. Verses 22 and 23 in, in, in chapter 14 tells, tells us, Abram said to the king of Samada, I, Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear. You would say I have made Abram rich. You would not take any of the spoils. Now now we've compared Lot to our situation. Let's compare Abram to Jesus and see if see if the shadow, see if the type holds. First of all, we have totally rebelled against Jesus. Right? Just like Lot had totally rebelled against Abram. But Jesus loves us. His wayward brothers and sisters who are in bondage to sin, death, and the devil. And like Abram, Jesus simply will have none of this. His hand is moved to act and rescue us, his brothers and sisters. Jesus gives up everything to execute the rescue mission. Consider Jesus' birth. 
I mean, here, here's Jesus sitting in the heavenly council of the Father the, himself and the Holy Spirit in perfect paradise, and he chooses to be born to a peasant woman in a poor, in a little town, in a basically a cave, being placed in a feed trough. Consider Jesus's life; how he once said, "The Son of Man has no place to lay his head." From the riches of heaven and the, and the, and the sheer bliss of being a part of the heavenly council, he forsakes this to live among us here on earth. He comes down. And then consider the agonizing death he suffered for us on the cross. And then consider his resurrection. And just on an aside of the death and resurrection... That this historical event extends from eternity past to eternity future. We say from everlasting to everlasting. The new covenant is an eternal covenant. So sins are forgiven for all time. From Lot, do we see right here, to the paralytic, who Jesus pronounces upon him, Son, your sins are forgiven, in the Gospels, to us now and to all future generations. It, it, the, the, de- the death and resurrection of Jesus covers all time. And now... Consider his ascension. First John two one teaches us, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for only ours, but also for those of the whole world. Jesus' ascension. Even right now, the devil appears before the face of God to accuse us. Even right now, Jesus is defending us against the attacks of the accuser as our defense attorney, a defense attorney in the heavenly council. This is this is amazing. This is astonishing to to think that right now, the, the, the devil, Satan, the accuser, accuses us before the face of God, and Jesus says no. There is, there is, the accusations do not hold. They have been given my righteousness. There is one who is our advocate as the ascended Son of God, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father and advocates for us even right now. So those things are just amazing. Jesus, just like Abram, will not accept any payment for us from us i mean to think of these things to think of jesus's birth his life his death his resurrection and ascension so often we're tempted to say let us pay something back we need to we need to you know jesus did all these things for me and and so i need to do these things for him and jesus just like abram will not accept any payment for from us because Jesus perfectly executed the rescue we don't need to do anything to add to it and if we do add to it Paul teaches us in Galatians 2 15 through 21 
we are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, he's speaking to the Galatians here, and they're Jews there. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in, in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may not be justified by faith in Christ so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified but if while seeking to be justified in Christ we ourselves have also been found sinners is Christ then a a minister of sin may it never be for if I rebuild what I have once destroyed I prove myself to be a transgressor for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, I live in the live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Note well the punchline of Saint Paul's words here. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Dear saints, it is finished. The seemingly impossible work of our rescue is done by Jesus Christ, and you are completely and unconditionally loved by the Father. As the Son even now pleads our case to the Father, on our behalf, sin Death and the devil are defeated. We did nothing to deserve this, and we cannot repay. We rebelled at every turn, and yet Jesus, our brother, was determined to rescue and save us. Just as Abram set his face to rescue his brother Lot, so our brother Jesus sets his face to the shame of the cross to rescue us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Listen to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at discussion at God Still Speaks Through Jackasses.org. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash God Still Speaks Through Jackasses and follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at Jesus Jackass. Please rate and review the cast on Stitcher and iTunes. That helps us quite a bit there as it gets us a little higher on the playlist with those folks and tell your friends about the cast, especially if you're a little shy about sharing the gospel. Plus that your friends will laugh when they hear you say, God still speaks through jackasses. I may fold their brows, deep and furrow brown, uncanny and so clever, it's our newest plan ever, got tired of whining. All third-party material is used under the authority of the Copyright Act of 1976, 17, Section 107, Fair Use. What's wrong with this world, my evil plan to save the world.